What a joy to be with you, brothers and sisters, on this Lord's Day. Once again, allow me to bring warm greetings from the Biblical Seminary of the Philippines. Together with our faculty, our staff, our students, we want to extend uh, God's blessings to our church, Grace Cushion Church. What a joy to partner with our church for the cause of God's kingdom, for the cause of the gospel. Thank you so much for your continued prayers, for your continued support in what God is doing through Christian education and theological training. Before we go to God's Word this morning, allow me to read the passage that we're going to study this morning. It's found in Psalm 42. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn your scriptures to Psalm 42, and let me read it for us. It begins with these words. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. With a voice of joy and praise. With a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and at night his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 11, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, that we can draw near and be close to you. Lord, as you have said in your word, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Thank you for inviting us into your presence. Thank you, Lord, for speaking your word to our hearts. Thank you for blessing your people today. Would you speak now, Lord? because your people are listening. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago, there's a song that I've learned actually here at our church. It's a song that always comes to my mind whenever I'm sad, fearful, especially depressed. And after singing it for a few times, it changes. It changes me from the inside. Listen to the words of the song. Perhaps some of you might recognize it. 
It begins with these words. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand. Precious Lord, lead me home. Beautiful words. Wonderful song that I sing, that I learned early on in my Christian life, and I still sing today. And I remember many difficult moments in my life, many dark nights that I have to go through, how this song had greatly helped me. Notice the song did not say how strong I am. It did not say how easy things are. No, in fact, I am weak. In fact, I am in the midst of a storm. But the song reminds me that I have the Lord, that He's precious to me, and more importantly, He's leading me. Do you have a song like that? Can you sing in the dark? You should. You know, there are songs like that in the Bible. These are called lament songs. These are songs where God's people cry out. They lament to God. Do you know it's good to cry out to the Lord? Because when you cry out, you are saying that you need Him. When you cry out to God, you're saying you want Him. And do you know, that's when you find Him. And that's when you experience Him the closest in your life. One of those lament psalms is the psalm we are looking at this morning, Psalm 42. We're told in this psalm that along with many others that they were written by the sons of Korah. From the time of King David to King Solomon and onward, the sons of Korah served as the musicians, as the song leaders, as the singers in the tabernacle and in the temple. Think of them as our choir or as our song leaders in our church. They are tasked in leading God's people in worship. Now, we don't exactly know what is the circumstance behind the writing of Psalm 42. It is likely that it was written during a difficult time in, God's, in the history of God's people. There were unrest. There were turmoil, turmoil, and God's people were not able to go and worship God in Jerusalem. Does that sound familiar? It certainly does, isn't it? Somehow, circumstances does not allow them to be in the temple, in the presence of God, so to speak, and they have to worship from afar, just like many of us at this time. But there is still a song that we can raise before God, in which expresses what is deep in our heart. There are three parts to this psalm, this song. The first part begins with that declaration of anguish from the psalmist. The psalmist cries out, expressing what is in his heart. The second part of the psalm is when the psalmist forces himself to think, to remember who God is and what God has done in the past and in the present, as well as what God will do in the future. 
And finally, there's a repeated refrain, actually twice and three times when you look into the next psalm, Psalm 43, where the psalmist composes himself and he preaches to his own soul. He reminded his soul what he ought to do in view of his circumstance, in view of what he knows about God. These three parts of Psalm 42 are the lessons that we can learn on what happens when we sing in the dark, when we have a song in the night that we sing, and what difference that will make in our life. Let's look at each one of this lesson together, shall we, this morning? First of all, when we sing in the dark, we transform our anguish into prayer. The first lesson of singing in the dark, how we ought to sing in the dark, is it transforms our anguish, our cry, into prayer. Would you look again in verses 1 to 3? The psalmist begins by saying, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come? When shall I appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? Let's stop there. You know, the first verse of this psalm is one that many of us, if not all of us, love because it reminds us of another song that we sing more, more commonly, As the deer panted forth the water. It's a beautiful imagery, imagery of an animal in a drought, longing, desperately longing for water, without which it will die. The same thing for a believer They're longing, they're looking for God without whom we too would die. There is a yearning for God deep in the soul of the psalmist and so it is for all of us. The psalmist says it is from his soul. The soul here refers to the innermost being, the very core of who we are. There is a, inside the deep core is a deep desire. It's not superficial. It's not just kind of a, you know, goes in and out, but it is something that we long for deep within that is to meet God in His holy temple. Did you notice in Psalm 42 when we were reading how the psalmist refers to God so many times? To be exact, 21 times in the 11 verses, how he calls out to God, and in many of them in personal ways. He refers to God as my rock, the God of the living, my Savior, my salvation. What the psalmist is saying and praying is this, God, it is you that I want. God, it is you that I need. Is that the desire? Is that the anguish, the cry as well of your heart? It is for the psalmist. Look down to verse 6 and 7. The psalmist goes on with his cry. He said, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto the deep, 
at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. Here in verses 6 to 7, the psalmist made reference to certain geographical locations. He referred to the Jordan. He referred to Mount Hermon, to Mount Mizar. Now, for many of us, if you are, if you don't really look deeply, it wouldn't make any difference to you, right? But if you look for where these places are, Jordan, Hermon, Mizar, you will find out that these are locations that are either north of Jerusalem or it's kind of quite a ways from from Jerusalem itself. In other words, these are far away places. What the psalmist is saying is this, that I'm not close to where I should be. I am far away from the temple. I am distant from the place of worship of God. The psalmist is describing the separation that he feels. He says that God is distant. You know, he's not close. He, and he longs to be near. To be, to be near God, to be near where he is worshipped. Now, the first part, verse 6, he talks about geographical distance. Verse 7, he talks about the waters, the waves, the deep upon deep. He described it as if he's being pushed down underwater. And somehow, in terms of depth, that too is how he feels in terms of his distance from where he should be in the presence of God. In effect, in verses 6 and 7, what the psalmist is saying is this, God, not only are you far from me, or I feel that you are far from me, but you are getting further and further. Somehow, geographically, and even physically, I'm being pushed away from where I ought to be, and that is to be with you. Oh God, I don't want that feeling. I don't want to be where I am right now. That is what the psalmist is saying. That's how we feel. I wonder how many of us have that kind of sense of sense, sense of where, where God is in relation to us. I am not where I ought to be. I need to be near God. I need to be where God is worshipped. I don't want to be where I am right now. Oh, how I long to be in your presence, oh God. And then look at verses 9 and 10. The psalmist goes on to say, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Verse 10, as with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Here the psalmist talked specifically about oppression, about the taunting of others around him. It would have been enough that all that the psalmist faced is just the, the emotional sense of God's absence, where we heard him express that early. But his grief was heightened by the taunts, by the ridicule of others, who says, huh, where is your God? You know, he's, he doesn't seem to be around. He doesn't seem to be care, caring about you. You're on your own. Why do you bother trying to call out to your God? That's what the psalmist is saying. Not only does he feel it, but he hears it from the ridicule of others. And perhaps the psalmist, in his own private moment, would have thought the same question, saying to God, God, I don't understand. God, I want you. I want to be near you. 
But Lord, where are you? I don't feel you. I don't sense your presence. It's as if, God, you have moved away from me. That's what the psalmist is saying. Have you ever felt that way? Or better yet, have you ever tell God, God, where are you? God, I feel you're so far away. God, I want you. God, I need you. You know, sometimes it's not until we get to that moment or those point in our life that we can then express this out and say, yeah, that's exactly me. That describes my situation. Because in many times, we don't really think about it or maybe we don't really feel that. But at that moment where we are anguishing, then we will call out to God. And you know what? When that happens, what you just did, you prayed. You know, singing in the dark, as the psalmist did right here, is a way of turning our anguish, what we feel inside of us, and it becomes a prayer. It becomes a, a audible expression, verbal expression of our internal sense before God. That's what happens when we sing in the dark. I have a classmate in seminary named Greg. Greg is now a pastor, and he's also a song leader, a very good song leader in his church. I still remember that Greg shared with us a condition that he has, a physical disability that he has. It's called nyctalopia. Nyctalopia. I'm sure many of you may not have heard of that term, but nyctalopia is essentially night blindness. Perhaps some of us have heard of it or know someone who has that condition, night blindness. It is a disability where uh, you have eye problem, you know, which make it impossible for you to see at night. Somehow your eyes are not able to capture light at its low intensity. So you are practically blind at night, such as my friend Greg. So essentially at night or when things are dark, he has to be helped as, as if he was a blind person altogether. Now you can imagine how hard that can be for someone. But you know, Greg have a way of looking at his situation and not kind of griping or complaining. Instead, he found tremendous, tremendous encouragement in his condition. Through this hard experience, Greg was able to find a source of strength. You know, Greg, my friend, created a singing experience that he calls singing in the dark. What it is, is Greg will invite a group of people to gather together in a room, and then he will turn the light off. In a way, it is pitch dark. And during that moment, he would lead the group in singing. Now, you would find that, well, that's kind of an odd experience. Yes, it is very odd. It is actually the experience he personally has. But when you sing in the dark, when you close your visual senses, other sense is stirred up. Other things, particularly in your mind, is being brought into much clearer focus. Not visually, possibly audibly, and definitely mentally. Things are different now. Listen to what Greg says concerning singing in the dark. 
This is what it says. When you sing in the dark, it feels, it feels like what it's like to get a little bit closer with the things that challenges us, that, that causes us pain. You don't run away from them. You are drawn nearer to that which causes pain to you, that, that, that you are afraid of. And it's an opportunity to sing without the normal sensation and the judgment of our eyes. Instead, we fix on our pain. We just become a little bit closer with it. And we understand that there might be blessings that comes with it. Blessing from not seeing. Blessing in not being able to, uh, you know, have visual stimulation. Yes. Somehow during those times that we sing in the dark, we face our reality clear and we sense our dependence of God even more acutely. I was part of one of those singing in the dark session and it's a remarkable sense. Your cry to God is, is more real. Your cry to God is from the inside and not based on visual stimulation. You know, that's what happens when we sing in the dark. We are real. We are real with our senses. We are real with our longing. We truly, truly seek God. We call out to Him. That's what happens when we sing in the dark. It transforms what is inside, our anguish, and it makes it into a prayer. That's the first lesson that we learn from singing in the dark. Secondly, singing in the dark reminds us of God's faithfulness. Singing in the dark brings to mind God's faithfulness. Look at verse 4 with me of Psalm 42. The psalmist says, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. You see, just like us today, we are far from our community. We are far from the house of the Lord in which we would worship. The only thing we can do is what? Remember. Remember the time on Sunday when we would make the effort to come. When we reach out with a warm handshake or hug to a brother and sister in the Lord. When we sing together, oh, the joy of the, the, the voice of God's people being raised as we declare who God is. Wonderful thing. Well, we can't do that anymore, can we? But we can remember. We can bring those to mind. What, you, what did we used to sing about? What were the things that bless you? What are the words that we say to each other? You know, those things are important. Those things are worth being brought into mind because we don't have those anymore, do we? At least at the moment. The best we can do is bring it to mind. The psalmist says he remembers what it is like to worship the true and living God. Brothers and sisters, I, I thank God for the technology that we have in being able to bring our service and do that virtually at home but you know i i have to confess it is it is not the same isn't it it's not the same to just look at the television it's not the same to just be singing 
with you, by, if you're by yourself, or just with your family, several of you. It's different to worship in the context of the community. We long for that. We know how it feels, and we pray that that day will be soon. But in the meantime, we just have to make do with what we have. But we remember for what we used to have, and we, that's what we want, the real thing, so to speak. We long for that. In verse 8, the psalmist goes on to say, The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night His song, there it is again, at night His song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. What the psalmist did here is he remembers the love of God that remains with him, that directs him, and God's truth that lead him home to worship God. The joy of all his joys. Amidst his pain, amidst his sorrow, we too must remember what is the truth of God? What is it that we should, we should put our foundation on? You know, we could relate with the psalmist in some ways. As we think of the hardship that we go through, even, even what we have to deal with during this pandemic, some of us perhaps have lost their job. Some of us have cut off relationship with people we love. Somehow there are financial difficulties and health and a sort of other things that we have to deal with. And sometimes we have to cry out and say, where is the hope in all of this? I don't understand. It's hard to go through this. But the psalmist, through his lament, even though he cries out, he did not give up. He was not in despair. Why? Because he deliberately turned his mind to the grace of God. He says, God is still faithful. God is still true to what He promised. God is still with us. He has not abandoned us. And it is here when we remind ourselves of the truth that we come to that which is the one that will help us through our difficulty. It is here that the psalmist told us to remember to do that which is the most important thing at the moment is to remember. And the psalmist forces himself to think of the realities of God's Word to deal with the troubles of his life. Perhaps many of us are familiar with the singing of the birds. I don't know about you. Somehow because of the pandemic, maybe you, you, we notice the singing of the birds now because there's less traffic along the, the road. And somehow you begin to see here singing of the birds. Now we know birds sing uh, during the day. Now they don't start, you know, when the sun is up. Normally birds start chirping and singing even at the break of the day, at the at dawn time. And it continues on through the day, and then it fades somehow during the night. But you know what I learned recently? That there are birds that sing in the night. Are you aware of that? That there are birds that sing at night. Or at least some birds that continue to sing at night. Now that's kind of odd, isn't it? Well, first you would think at night is where birds, like any other creatures, will go to sleep. Or birds will not sing anymore because, well, there, there are other birds who are no longer uh, awake, and what's the point of singing? But there, you know, so, so that kind of is kind of an interesting situation. 
and I decided to read up on this. Birds that sing in the night. An example of a bird that sing in the night is the robin bird. Okay, now I don't think we have those kind of birds here in the Philippines. But the robin bird, they sing during the day and they were observed to continue singing in the night. How so? What, what makes them sing in the night? Scientists did some research and they found out it's not that the birds are wired to sing at night. But what happened is this, the robin bird is very sensitive to light. Even a flicker of a light somehow triggers it to sing. You know, most birds, when they see the sun is up, things are bright, they sing. And then when the sun is down, they stop singing. But the robin bird, any even a small flicker of light that they see, triggers it to start singing. And, and, and that's the amazing thing. Uh, and, and nowadays, with, with a lot of street lights and, and even uh, car lights, because there are, there are even low-intensity light around, the robin bird seems to pick up on it, and it, it stimulates it to sing, even during the night. Now, why am I sharing this with you? I think what, what, what it shows us is somehow the robin bird, even if it's not a bright sun that is shining, even if it's a flicker of light that is available, they are inspired. They are motivated to sing. As if they're saying, you know what, even if there's a, a little light, that's good enough. And this little light will remind me of a bigger light that is yet to come. So whether it's small light or big light, I can sing. I like that. I really do. When all other birds have given up, not so the robin bird. For the robin bird determines to keep on singing because they know that the light will come. Brothers and sisters, I find that tremendously encouraging. For some of us, we don't see the bright light and we just kind of stop. We don't sing anymore. But you know what? Even if there's a a, a, a little bit of light. That should encourage us. You know what? God is still in control. God is still with us. God has not given up on me. And because of that, I will sing. I will yet hope in the Lord. You know, when our songs turn to prayer, we make our requests known to God, for He cares deeply about us. When we do so, there are promises that He has given us, that He cares for us, that His peace will guard our heart. We must consciously, we must forcefully remember those things about God, His character, His work on our behalf. Never forget, God is sovereign. God is loving. God is in the midst of our sorrows. He has spoken to us definitively, decisively, and directly through His Word. Bring it up to mind. Sing about it. Remind yourself of those. That's what the psalmist do when he sings in the dark. So number one, singing in the, dark, in the dark transforms our anguish and makes it into prayer. Singing in the dark reminds us to, of the faithfulness of God. There's yet one more thing that singing in the dark does for us. The third one, last lesson that we can learn. Singing in the dark enables us to preach truth to ourselves. Singing in the dark enables us to preach, to tell ourselves the truth. This brings us to the last verse, actually verse 5 and verse 11, which are 
similar. This is the refrain of the song. This is the chorus part. This is the part that we sing several times. Look at verse 5, what it says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. Notice what the psalmist did here. By the way, this is repeated in verse 11. And by the way, it is repeated a third time in the next psalm. Three times the same refrain was said. And I tell my students in the seminary, whenever you see a repetition, either twice or even more than that, very important. Don't forget it. Ask yourself, why was it repeated? The psalmist is essentially talking to himself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Why are you sad? He begins to speak to himself. And he also commanded himself, self, hope in God. You know, there's a, I love this wonderful quote uh, by a great preacher by the name of Martin Lloyd-Jones. He's a pastor, of, a great pastor in the 20th century. And as he was preaching on Psalm 42, he made this wonderful statement. He said, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? I like that. Most of the time we are unhappy, we are depressed, we are sad, is because we are listening to ourselves. Why would you do that? Why don't you just talk to yourself instead? Tell yourself what you should be feeling. Tell yourself what you should be considering or should be focused on instead of listening to yourself. I really like that. And in fact, Pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones went on to say this. Don't listen to yourself. Preach to yourself. Tell, tell yourself what is the truth. Tell yourself what, they, what you should, what you should you know, uh, think about and consider in your circumstances. What does the psalmist say to himself? He said, self, hope in God. Instead of hoping on, on things, hope in God. Wait for the Lord. And that's what we need to do. We need to engage in an ongoing, expectant anticipation for God and His deliverance. Note that the psalmist preached this uh, word of hope to himself several times. One time will not be enough. Perhaps twice can. But the more, the better. You know, perhaps it's poetic flair. You know how, well, a song, you need to repeat the refrain several times. Or perhaps the psalmist realized that he need to remind himself, he easily forgets. I do. I easily forget. I need to be reminded several times, not just once. In the same aggressive, confident, you know, fervor, we express our confidence in God, that God will act, that God will show Himself faithful because He did so in the past. And we have confidence He will do so in the future. Now, technically, the psalmist didn't simply talk to himself. He sang to himself, isn't it? He sang these words. These are not just words he have written down to tell himself. He sang it to himself. And this is, I think, where I'm going to bring to a close our time, where singing words 
have more depth into it, isn't it? We all know that. Somehow singing words that are sung fit where mere words cannot. Someone said, melodies slip under the doorways of our doubt, you know, are better than said words, you know, and words that are simply spoken. Once sung, words often stay with us, echoing throughout the chamber of our minds and of our hearts, bringing form to our mayhem, beauty to our bleakness, truth to the logic of our despair. I like that. Somehow, song has a way of entering the deepest part of our heart when mere mere words only get stuck in the head. God has given us a book of Psalms, songs, which is the book of Psalm, for a reason. Because God knows that we need to speak deep into our hearts. And when we sing those words, it settles in and it does its work. Earlier in my message in the beginning, I told you about the song, Precious Lord. It has been described as one of the greatest gospel songs of all times. People around the world love it because of its heartfelt theme of hope and of faith. Could I say those words again? I won't sing it to you, but listen to the words of the song again. This time, I'll read to you the two stanzas of this song. It begins again with the words, Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I am tired I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. When my way grows drear, precious Lord, linger near. When my life is almost gone, hear my cry, hear my call. Hold my hand, lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. These words are so beautiful. If you sing it out, it's even more deeper in terms of its impact. But do you know that this song was not just written by someone who wants to be, you know, you know, like a, a, a nice song to hear. Precious Lord, take my hand was written by a, a worship leader named Thomas Dorsey in Chicago in 1932. Precious Lord was written following the death of Thomas Dorsey's wife, Nettle, as well as his infant son during childbirth. Somehow, as Dorsey was struggling through the tragedy in his life, he turned to God. He looked to God for hope and faith. And from this spring forth the words of this song. This song calls out to God and said, Lord, be my guide. It calls out to God, says, Lord, be my strength because I can't handle it on my own. Brothers and sisters, that's why this song meant so much for so many people because that's exactly what they're going through. That's exactly what I'm going through. That's exactly what most likely you are going through. And somehow that song, as it comes into our heart, turns the anguish into prayer. And that prayer calls to mind 
how God is faithful and true. And when that truth is revealed, you claim it and you preach it to yourself time and time again. And that will be the source of strength. That will be your, your inspiration to carry on, to continue on. Why sing in the dark? Singing transforms our anguish into prayer. Singing in the dark reminds us of God's faithfulness. Singing in the dark enables us to preach to ourselves concerning God and His truth. Brothers and sisters, do you sing in the dark? We can, and God is with us through it. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the wonderful truth that the psalmist has revealed to us through your word. That when we are in the dark, all is not lost. When we are in the dark, we are not alone. When we are in the dark, there is yet hope. Because when we are in the dark, Lord, your presence is still with us. Your truth is still what it is. It is true. And Lord, it is when we are in the dark that we can call out to you and you can reach out and bless us and help us and lead us through. Perhaps there are some here this today, oh God, who needed to know your presence. For some of them, they don't know Jesus as their own Lord and Savior. They are alone, literally, spiritually. Oh God, I pray that as they hear of a God who loves and a God who cares, they would cry out to you. They would cry out to the Lord Jesus to save them, to forgive them of their sins, and to be their Savior and Lord. Let this day be the day of salvation for them, O God. And for those of us who know the Lord, we can hold on tighter to Him through the circumstances that we're going through today. That we are walking hand in hand with You, O God. So Lord, we commit ourselves to You. We love You. We thank You. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.